Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This podcast is powered by Sports Drink, your digital water cooler. What's up, everybody? This is Coleman Ayers. I'm your host for Attention to Detail podcast. So it is that time of year. We're back. The NBA season is back. And that means that this is also the time of year when everyone on social media starts to post the Steph Curry pregame warm-up routine, which I love, honestly. Um, I think it's cool to see how a player of that level prepares. And then from a coach's standpoint or a trainer's standpoint, a skill acquisition standpoint, I think it's cool to look into some of the methods that he does. I don't know whether he knows that he's doing these things or not. Um, I would assume that he does from at least a basic level just because he's, I mean, so seemingly obsessive with his craft and he has methods that have worked for years and years and years maybe he doesn't know the actual vocab that i'm going to bring to the table in this episode but i think he i'm sure realizes to some extent what he's doing or not or not um that's just that's just my guess but i'm going to give you guys a short insight into how or really what steph curry shows us about sharpening skills mind you this is this is a pre-game workout um, almost a warm-up, but I do think that while most players spend their time before the games strictly building confidence and just getting in a rhythm, kind of block shooting, super easy ball handling, and we take that and say, oh, this is how they work out, I think Steph finds this time to also improve and balances that with the confidence building, the field building. So I think that's a cool part of these uh training sessions i guess you could call them like half training half warm-up sessions so yeah we'll dive into two quick definitions i'll explain how he kind of personifies these things or the workouts take these and apply them and i think you guys will be able to learn a lot from this all right first definition that i'll give you guys differential learning all right may sound a little bit crazy but it's honestly super simple once you start to understand what it is see some examples for it and think about it. So differential learning is exploring new movement patterns, really just a wide variety of movement patterns to promote better learning of a skill. All right. 
So essentially the idea here is you're going to try a bunch of things, maybe a bunch of ways to shoot the ball, maybe a bunch of ways to do a crossover, maybe a bunch of ways to, I don't know, pass the ball, finish at the rim, whatever it may be. Now, when we do this, it's easier for our brain to self-organize and decide which version of this or versions of this is better for us. All right. So for example, uh, if I was working with a young player on their shot, I may say, hey, shoot with a super low set point on this shot. They, they shoot with the super low uh, set point. All right. Now shoot with the highest set point that you can shoot with. All right. Now shoot a super flat shot. Super, shoot a super high shot. Uh, shoot with your feet wide shoot with your feet super narrow so i'm just exposing them to all of the different let's say i'm finding all these spectrums within their their technique or their movement patterns and i'm exposing them to both sides of those spectrums all right and what this does is gives them the entire range so now they can self-select and whether they do this consciously or, or subconsciously uh depends and i think this is for the most part i mean the hope is that it's subconscious or unconscious that they are choosing the best uh, movement pattern to go with. And from those, again, wider ranges, kind of selecting which one is best, and then moving forward, that kind of becomes ingrained as their movement pattern. I also like to think of this as just getting used to weird stuff as well. Um, this may not be the, the textbook definition of differential learning, but when you see Steph, um, and without spilling some of the beans before going into the application, doing some of the weirder stuff, one foot shots, whatever, I think that this is also just a way of getting used to doing somewhat weird stuff outside of the ranges of what you would typically do in a game of basketball. And when you're used to the weirder stuff, the the easier, the more simple, the more quote unquote textbook technique stuff becomes a lot easier. Um, so this is just think about this as like just varying your movement patterns or varying the skills that you're doing to expose yourself to new or somewhat weirder ways of doing things, if that makes sense. Hopefully it does. Next one, next definition is contextual interference. So this is interfering with the skill that you're trying to train. And this is actually gonna help you long-term. This is the contextual interference effect. This says that if you're shooting corner three and you interfere with that somehow, if you interfere with your focus on that skill, your diligence on that skill, it's actually gonna help you learn said skill in the long in the long run long term right this is often done by creating variability in practice more of you guys are probably familiar with the term variability basically saying if you're shooting a corner three and then you go and shoot a wing three now you have to solve a new problem right it's like switching up the math problem i made a, a youtube video on this as well recently um, about steph curry's warm-up and the analogy i gave and usually give is if you're studying for a test and you solve the same math problem over and over and over again, gets pretty damn easy there, doesn't it? But if you go and then you solve another problem, then another problem, and you gotta come back and solve the same one, now you have to think about it a little bit more. Now you're devoting a little bit more attentional currency to that task. Because of this, you get better at doing that problem rather than just going through it mindlessly. Same thing on the court. All right, and again, I'll get into how stuff uh, applies this. But I do think that this is a really important thing to understand. Not only variability, but also contextual interference, contextual interference, <laughs> and the contextual interference effect. Uh, 
which is essentially why we use variability in the first place. And again, that's just finding some way to interfere with the skill. This can be spacing, right? This can be um, what spacing is, is essentially taking a corner three, if we're gonna use that example, and then spacing the time out a little bit. So now we're interfering with your ability to get into the rhythm there, right? This could be uh, adding in, I mean, doing a small-sided game in your training and now you're adding in defense. Somebody's literally trying to interfere with the skill that you're doing because they don't want you to make it. So there are a lot of ways that we can interfere with the with the the skill that we're working on. Um, and this is again the contextual interference effect. One of these ways is variability, and that's the one that we're really going to hone in on today. All right. So now let's talk about how Steph does each of these. Differential, I would say, is kind of the quote unquote weird stuff he does. The stuff that you look at and say. That's not perfect technique. So the high arc shots. I mean, everyone sees or has seen when he, you know, gets a ball, shoots a couple regular ones, and they just chucks one up to the ceiling and it just caches, goes straight in. You're like, all right, why is he doing that? Is it to get touch? Is it to get? I would argue that he's his thought process um, on a simple, simple version, or maybe his his team, his coach, is all right. If you can make these crazy high arcing shots chances are you're going to get so attuned with this skill that the regular shots become easy. Um, I've also seen him do kind of some interesting single leg shots, like literally just from the free throw line, where he's like kind of almost sinking into a squat and from there up into it. Same thing. Uh, there's a reason why at times I'll practice single leg shots with my higher level athletes. And this isn't because I want them shooting single leg shots in a game from mid range or from three but it's more so just to build a more robust movement pattern so we can finish that shot the same way regardless of where our base is. Because again, we're not always gonna have a perfect base. If we want them to become the most well-rounded shooter, we have to be able to take out certain uh, qualities and still maintain the invariance of this, which are kind of things that we wanna stay the same. So how you finish a shot, maybe the snap of your wrist, the arc of the ball, certain things that are always gonna be present on a good shot. Um, Sometimes that may not be the base, so we may take out uh, one of the legs, one of the feet, go single leg shot. I don't know, maybe this is why he is doing this as well, or maybe not, maybe just like shooting single leg shots. Um, this may be, you know, everyone has also seen the one at the end of his practice where he just kind of spins around a few times and like almost looks like he's getting himself dizzy and then just chucks it up and runs into the tunnel. Uh, this one is not, you know, his typical form He's kind of turning around, shooting it from the side of his body, chucking it up in the air, super fast release. Goes in most of the time. And I think potentially, or even without him knowing, this is differential learning, or worst case, just getting him familiar with shots that aren't that textbook technique. Um, moving on to variability and contextual interference. What does he do here? I think this one is even more at the core of his training or his pregame work, uh, workout, warm up, whatever you want to call it. And this is literally just seeing him. You can tell that he's conscious of this. Again, even if he doesn't know this, he's always shooting a different shot. I would say, I mean, I've watched a few videos as I was making that YouTube video and as I was analyzing this. Um, rarely does he shoot that same shot twice in a row. There'll be a couple times where he, he catches it he makes one, and he asks for it back, and he makes one more, and then he moves on to a different spot, to a different shot. 
most of the time it's it's pretty diligent in how he's mixing up those shots right and this doesn't have to be anything crazy he could be at the same spot just moving back in distance right so it's different depth perceptions a different shot overall this could be um, him kind of freestyling into uh, a shot which we'll talk about this could be him catch and shoot this could be him just different footworks on the catch and shoots it doesn't have to be anything crazy and it's usually not but switching that shot slightly each time I think not only allows him to build confidence in this pregame warm-up but now he's starting to find a time to improve during the season and this is huge because how often in an NBA season are these athletes really getting a time to improve their shooting rather than just stay in rhythm, which is great. Staying in rhythm is huge. That's the number one priority. But those who are continued to or who are able to continue to improve are probably leaving hints behind. Steph has been improving, maybe not efficiency wise. I honestly haven't looked into his stats, but the dude clearly has been improving since year one. There's no debate about that, and I think this is part of wise because he or he includes uh, some of these principles of of skill acquisition in this training. All right. Anyways, I digress. Uh, another way he does this is with defense. When we include defense, and this is something I talk about a lot, when we implement defense into our training, we naturally, organically, without even thinking but thinking about it, implement some variability because the defense is going to play at a different way each time. So even even if we make that same read or make that same shot, shoot that same shot, something about this is going to be different because it's different perceptually. But most of the time, we will have to read the defense a slightly different way each time. Maybe it's just down to like our base gets a little bit wider on one shot because we have to separate more from that defense. It may look like the same shot, but it's not. Or we just make a completely different move into it, which is pretty clear. Um, so one thing I don't think a lot of people realize is that in many of his warm-ups, he'll have a few reps where he's playing defense. Or sorry, where somebody's playing defense on him. It's light defense. It's kind of chill defense. But I think that's huge. Um, and then the last thing is freestyles, which I mentioned earlier. A lot of time he catches the ball and, and makes like, I don't know, eight, nine moves, just kind of getting loose with the ball and then shoots some type of shot. And a couple people argued this with me on YouTube and Instagram when I posted this. You're like, no, he's not freestyling. He has all those pre-planned. It's like, dude, if you guys think that Steph comes in with literally hundreds of moves pre-planned, all right, so when I catch the ball on my 50-second shot, I'm going to do a between-behind cross and do a little hezzy and, and jump. I'm like, no, the dude's freestyling, um, which I think are great, partially because it just gives the creative juices flowing, but also because it just inherently incorporates variability. And if you're freestyling, chances are you're going to do this or it's something different from the last pregame workout and then the last pregame workout. So this is just an, another easy way to incorporate variability along with other things in the warm-up. So what are the implications here? You may look at this and say, yep, this is the most talented player in the world, most skilled player in the world. Of course, he has to do some crazy stuff like this to challenge himself. As a high school player, middle school player, you don't need variability. You don't need differential learning. You don't need weird drills. And to a certain extent, I would definitely agree, right? Steph needs to get outside the box a little bit more, probably a lot more, to challenge himself relative to a high school athlete, 
but I do think there is some validity here. I think there's a lot of validity here, actually, especially in the variability sense. The way I like to think about it always reverts back to what I call the optimal zone of improvement. So we have essentially like the Goldilocks thing, too easy, too difficult, optimal zone of improvement, right? Something's too easy, they're succeeding most of the time. This is like the comfort zone, they're making most of their shots. Something's too difficult, it's called the thrash zone. Uh, they are just not succeeding enough to see any results. Optimal zone of improvement is that space where it's difficult, but they're still engaged. They're making enough to have a reference of how to improve off of this. And this is where we truly improve. All right. I think about this. And if we're working with an athlete who doesn't have their shot, quote unquote, locked in, it's like the, the term that I hear used the most. It's a fair one. They haven't matured or, or really consolidated that movement pattern yet. And you have them in one spot with no variability. Um, and they're just shooting that same shot over and over again. And they're having a super difficult time with it. Then no, we probably don't need to incorporate much variability until they get to the point where that block shooting is challenging them enough or it's too easy for them. But I would argue that after a certain age, after that, that movement pattern is consistent, so if you're shooting with even a middle schooler, like a younger kid, and they're shooting the same shot pretty much every time, like they're pretty consistent in like a block shooting sense when they are shooting that same shot over and over, I would move them on to variability. And this is because we wanna start them young with this variability, with this problem solving ability. Um, if that's too difficult for them, of course, we make it a little bit more block. But it, it's just always going to come down to how do we find that proper level of difficulty. And most athletes I've ever worked with um, who have a decent shot need that variability, need a little bit more challenge, or at least benefit from that, if that makes sense. So I, again, there, there's going to be a time when a player is first learning to shoot, or maybe we're, we're changing a shot, right? And they need a super simple uh, not very complex environment to, to learn in. I think that block without the contextual interference is perfect, but we do want to move them on ASAP to variability. This isn't something that needs to be an NBA level player or Steph Curry level player to implement. I promise you guys, this has been documented in the research for athletes and just humans in any skill at damn near any level, beginner all the way up. So I think variability is something that is super good to implement worst case it just keeps it more engaging for the athlete right i would much rather as an athlete shoot a different slightly different shot every time again even if it's nothing crazy even if it's just i catch with my right hand on one i catch with my left hand on one different footwork different footwork from the same spot much rather do this than the same shot over and over and over again plus again in a game every shot's going to be different new problem to solve each time we have to get attuned to this early in our career let alone later in our career um, and then the differential learning part of this, I think that this is also very valid for younger athletes. I would say this is valid in doing weird stuff, I would say, or, or mixing up these movement patterns is valid for beginners and advanced players. And I'll explain why each one's a little bit different. Beginners, I would say this is the method in which I would expose them to a bunch of different movement patterns. So again, they can self-select one. So maybe a young player is, hasn't fully figured out their shot, right? They're still growing. So what I'm gonna do is tell them to shoot in a 
a bunch of different ways, a number of ways, so that now their brain has mapped all of these out and they can choose one. And maybe if they mature a little bit and their arms get a little bit longer, they get stronger, now they're not locked into that one movement pattern that they developed when they were weaker and had shorter arms, but now they've been exposed in the past to maybe shooting with a higher release, maybe shooting with less power from that base because they just don't need as much or a deeper range of motion on that jump, right? So now they're able to select. Um, I'll also do this when I'm, when I'm like helping a player change a shot. Let's say their shot is too far, in my opinion, to the left of their, their head or their body, right? Could stem from hand placement, whatever. I'm gonna say, all right, shoot from, or exaggerate how you shoot from the right side of your body. Exaggerate how you shoot from the left side of your body, even more than you would normally. All right, do that a couple times. Now try to find that middle ground. Sometimes they'll be like, oh crap, I've never tried to shoot from the right side of my body. Low key, this feels a little bit comfortable. Let me keep trying this. Oh wow, and then now they're just self-organizing into what may work. All right, it's not always gonna be that perfect, but I do think getting players exposed to different movement patterns and also just seeing how different solutions can work is, is huge. And then on the advanced side of this, so if I'm working with a more advanced player, um, I can implement some differential learning because I think of this more as just getting comfortable with, with everything, right? Maybe not everything, but a more wide spectrum of movements, movement patterns, movement solutions, All right? So if I'm working with a really good shooter, and like, for example, this one kid that I work with makes everything the dude made, I can't remember, I think it was like 74 out of 82 three-pointers in five minutes. It was nuts. NBA threes. And I'm like, all right, how do I challenge this kid? So what I started to implement, and you know, pretty much from day one with this kid, because I just knew that he was a knockdown shooter, is some of the weird stuff. All right, shoot with your base a little bit wider. Shoot with your base a little bit turned or rotated. Uh, shoot super high. Maybe shoot off one leg because this is how I'm gonna challenge him. Now, you don't need to do this probably, at least to this extent, with an athlete who doesn't have this level of shooting ability, clearly. So maybe you dumb it down for them a little bit, just say like, all right, a little bit, just, just slightly rotated, or just a slightly lower release, just a slightly higher release. Um, or if you're working with an athlete like that, like NBA player even, who is just a crazy shot maker, they're consistently making 80% of their shots in practice. You probably need to find a way to change it up. You could either have somebody contest them, which isn't always possible. You can implement some variability. Maybe this will send down their percentage a little bit, get them more and more out of that comfort zone and more into the optimal zone of improvement. Even this may be difficult. So sometimes you need to challenge players with differential learning, getting them weird getting them exposed to weirder stuff or or just different uh environments different movement problems and a lot of this time a lot of the time this brings them into that optimal zone of improvement all right so this is just how i think about it if they're ready for if they've seen everything they're probably ready for anything on the court um, they get better contested shots like this athlete that i worked with is shooting contested shots shots out the dribble with so much more ease now and this happened to you know a number of athletes, but I'm just using this one as a case study, simply because when he came in, he was making a lot of threes, but again, five minutes of NBA threes was just catch and shoot, simple shots. He would get into a game and it'd be a little bit less 
uh, accurate just because he wasn't used to like when a defender kind of pushes him a little bit and now one of his feet is slightly staggered. Um, but now he's more comfortable with that stuff. And that's because we've shot with staggered feet in a workout. We haven't said, oh, you got to be the perfect. It's got to be the textbook technique every time. No, I, I actually want him to get outside of that comfort zone and try new things um, from a technical standpoint, as long as we're focusing on, again, maintaining those invariants, which are things that never change, um, or the things that make a good shot, energy transfer, all that stuff. So I got on a little bit of a rant here, but hopefully you guys just understand where I'm coming from. I think this is something that, again, Steph has implemented for years, knowingly or unknowingly, but regardless of whether he knows it or not, these are really, really, really good ways to practice that have prepared him for anything, that have continued to challenge him in season, and that I think have helped him in the long run. And wherever we look, greatness will always leave hints. On this note, this is clearly left a hint. If, we, if we're dissecting the most skilled player of all time, we got to look at how he trains. Even though these are pregame warm-ups and a lot of pregame warm-ups I tell players not even to look at because it's just not even uh, aligned with how they would usually train. Or maybe it is, but it's, it's not really behind their success. I would argue that Steph's pregame warm-up is probably the best one to look at because he implements these things that deliver challenge. So, hope you guys enjoyed this podcast little bit longer one as or compared to some of the ones recently but i think it's an interesting topic let me know what you think as always thanks for tuning in until next time look around you can find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on auto trader New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.